I realized that I needed to make time for myself because I am important, right? I can't be the wife I want to be, the mom I want to be, the lawyer I want to be if I'm not taking care of me. Welcome, hey y'all, into my peeps, Sac Passe. I'm Herdeen Mercier. I'm the proud host of the Redefining Grief podcast, where we believe life is not perfect, but the requirement of living it is. You know, oftentimes I feel that people get lost in the sauce of their emotions, not knowing what the next step is going to look like. Hey, I say it requires you to show up for your life by telling the truth and telling the truth truly liberates the soul. So if you are a new podcast listener, I want to welcome you. I want to welcome you to the Grief Crusaders community. Yes, this community is sponsoring this episode and you can join us on Facebook for free. The Redefining Grief community is called grief crusaders, because I strongly believe that I cannot do this good work all by myself. And if I teach you all how to really show up in your life during times that can be very heartbreaking, I've done my life calling. I love, I love, I love what I get to do and how I show up in the world. And I want you to do that too. See? We only get one life. (laughs) I strongly believe in this one life ministry. And so if you're going to be here, you might as well live because you only get one life, one life. And what are you going to do to make that life the best that you have? really the ability to do because you are in control of designing your life. I want to say that I'm super excited about today's episode because I'm going to have my P2P sisters. And for those of you who do not know, Purpose the Platform is led by Patrice Washington. And being in that coaching program really has taken There wouldn't be a Redefining Grief podcast just to keep it blank and straight. If it wasn't for me investing in myself to really show up in life authentically, on purpose, and really, really showing out like never before, that saying that, you know what, there will be trials, there will be tribulations, but at the end of the day, I got to live. And we're going to get all into it in this episode. I also want to share individuals find out about the podcast when you rate, you leave a review, you tag me on social media at Herdeen Mercier. I strongly believe in you all visiting, learning more about me at www.herdeenmercier.com and seeing ways that I can help support you on your grief crusaders. You on your grief journey, I should say, you can also schedule a free consultation, a free consultation to really discuss where you're stuck, 
during this season of your heartbreak and what is it going to really require of you to do the necessary work of actively, actively, actively healing? You know, that's our theme. How are we going to actively heal in 2021? I really do believe that's all my grief announcements. And with that being said, let me introduce to you um, my P2P sister, Ro Thomas. Ro Thomas is an attorney and financial coach who believes that true wealth is having control of your time. She helps lawyers make intentional lifestyle and money decisions to regain control of their time, build wealth, and live the lives of freedom and choice they deserve. She has been featured in many media outlets such as Yahoo Finances and Mike and host of Wealthiest Podcast, which she explores how lawyers can achieve lifestyle freedom by redefining their mindset and managing their money to achieve financial independence. Without further ado, I'm welcoming my sister to the Redefining Grief podcast. Hey, Welcome, welcome, my beautiful sister to the Redefining Grief podcast. I'm so excited about you being here. (laughs) This is Ro Thomas. Well, thank you so much for having me here, Dean. It's such a pleasure to be here. You know, we've been talking about this for a while and from us meeting for the very first time through Purpose to Platform and really you holding me accountable at a time last year as I was graduating from the P2P program. And when I was graduating from the P2P program, I remember being at a place of despair. Like it's that, hmm, now what? And You were my prayer partner. We talked about things. We grew. You shared amazing podcasts, resources, your knowledge with me. And I want to publicly thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. Of course, you are my friend. I have really enjoyed just getting to know you in that time. And it's an honor to be able to be there for you and be there with you because we're going to going through this journey together, right? Yes, we are. We are. As we walk in purpose, we are really going in this journey together, but I strongly believe in giving flowers. Even at a time when you were encouraging me and I was feeling stuck. And then I went, this is a season for me to be still. And you respected that. Like, Just being still and so much happened in that process, in that season of God calling me to be still, that I came back stronger and better. You really have. I'm so proud of you and all that you're doing. Thank you, Mama. Thank you. You know, I have you on the podcast and I always had the vision of having you on the podcast to really talk about your life. You are a mother. You are a wife. You're an attorney. You coach attorneys. And I know you have so many other titles that I am not aware of. You're a prayer warrior. You believe in honoring your time in the morning by having that one-on-one moment with God, right? Yes. 
And through this process of having all these titles, I also see the woman in you that is anchored in who she is and understand that what is required of us in life is to really first love ourselves. And you're an individual that I see that truly loves herself first. Let's talk about that journey of what it takes for you to love and show up for yourself on a daily basis. Yeah, well, I will say, Hurting, it has been a journey for sure. Mm-hmm. Like going all the way back to when I had my first guest, I all the way back like he sold. My, <laughs> my older child is four. <laughs> but going back to, right, thank you. <laughs> but going back to that time, you know, I made that shift to motherhood kind of like naively because my husband and I did not think that life would change as much as it does when you have a child. Like in our mind, it was like, oh yeah, we're going to have this baby. We're still going to you know do the same thing. And so making that shift to motherhood, I found that I was kind of losing myself in being a mother, right? Like I was my son's mom instead of Roe. And that continued on even as I had my second kid. But with my second son, it came to this point where I felt like I was failing in all areas of my life, right? I felt like I was not being the wife I wanted to be, the mom I wanted to be, or the lawyer I wanted to be. Like I wasn't showing up in the same way. I think after I had my first son, I was able to kind of get back into the groove of work more quickly after I returned from maternity leave. But after having my second son, I did not. Right. It was a lot harder to balance all the things. Mm -hmm. And it came to a head when I found myself in a friend's office at work crying about how I was failing in all the areas. And I was talking to her and talking to my husband about it later that night and decided to go to therapy. And so in my first session, I was talking to the therapist about how I wasn't being the wife I wanted to be, the mom I wanted to be, the lawyer I wanted to be. And she was like, Well, what about the you you want to be? And girl, I had not thought about the me I wanted to be in, you know, at that point, two and a half years, because I was so wrapped up in being mom, right? And it was like, I was going from, you know, mom and getting things together and getting ready. And then I'm at work and I'm billing all the hours and drafting the things and whatever. And then going back to mom, because I got to get the kids from daycare. I want to make sure that I spend time with them and getting home and we're doing dinner and bath time and then getting up and doing it all over again. And I was getting up early at that time But at that point, it did not include my prayer, my Bible study, my journaling. It was getting up early so that I could hurry up and get ready, so that I could get them in the car, so that I could beat the traffic into town and all of that. And so after having that very first session and continuing to work with my therapist, Mm -hmm. I realized that I needed to make time for myself Mm. because I am important, right? I can't be the wife I want to be, the mom I want to be, the lawyer I want to be, if I'm not taking care of me. And so that's when I started to take that time for myself instead of getting up and immediately going and getting ready so that we can jump in the car and whatever. Like I took that time to slow down and I spend that time reading my Bible and journaling and praying and just being by myself before my kids wake up, before my husband wakes up. And it has been so amazing and has made all the difference. And, you know, we've talked about being in the pandemic and how that has been with juggling all the things. And I truly believe that having that time to myself has made it 
more bearable, right? Like has made it where I can show up the way that I want to. Mm. So much of what you said has truly resonated with my experience. So much that I created the brand called Wifidence. And Wifidence really means a woman who understands, although she is a wife, she comes first. Because I got lost in the sauce of the titles of being a wife, the titles of being a mother, the titles of being an employee, right? So much, giving everybody every ounce of me first, every the best part of me first, and not spending time to really anchor in who I am. Yes. And that was hard the moment I realized that I was about to end a wonderful marriage because I thought I needed to divorce Jameson so that I can find me again. And it was in therapy, couples therapy, that the counselor said to me in the first session, it sounds like you are on a journey to find yourself. But in that process, it doesn't mean you have to get rid of your husband. Hello, somebody. And I was like, I remember sitting in the session, turning around and going, oh, okay, you can stay then. (laughs) (laughs) So determined that I was going to find my voice again. And if it meant getting rid of you, (laughs) a man that I love with all my heart, if it means stepping away for a season, I was going to do it because I was really lost. Like not even knowing my favorite color. You know, the kids asking me, what's my favorite color? And I just remember responding one day and saying red. And then it wasn't until later that night, I was like, red is not my favorite color. That's Jameson's favorite color. My favorite color is aqua. If you go back to my wedding anniversary, I've been dancing around my favorite color all my life and not even knowing how to identify it. That's what happens when we don't make time to love on ourselves first. I would ask you, sis, in this process of you having this aha moment, what was the first thing you decided to do for the listeners who are wondering, okay, she realized she got to make sure she is operating from a cup that's full, but how did she do it? Did she do everything overnight? How did it happen for you? Yeah, for me, it started with taking the mornings back, right? With it not being hopping out of bed and immediately thinking about all the things that I need to do for everyone else, for my kids, for my job, for my husband, right? Mm-hmm. Hopping out of bed and it being that time for me with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing. And then it has gone from there. Like in the pandemic, I have my mommy time. The kids have, like, you know, TV time and they go and they watch TV and I'll sit for that half hour, hour and just do what I want to do and relax a little bit to get a break. Mm-hmm. I probably would not have done that were it not for this whole journey, right? Mm-hmm. Taking that time away because in my mind, it was like I always had to be there. Mm-hmm. I had to be doing the things. And especially when I was still working outside of the home and, you know, going to work. And so they were at daycare. I had the mom guilt of like, oh, well, I haven't been with them all week, so I have to be with them on the weekends, you know? And my husband would encourage me before therapy, 
uh, to go and you know do brunch with friends or to get out of the house and not just be here. He's like, you know, you don't have to be there all the time. It's okay. You know, you're still a good mom, even if you're not here. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I would say one of the things that have really allowed me to grow and Jameson did their same thing. It's nothing like having amazing husbands who tell you, go out and be your best self. Amen. I remember Jameson saying, babe, you got to take time for yourself. And he would ask me, are you okay? Is everything okay? And my response is yes. But it wasn't until we got into these sessions, I realized I wasn't responding truthfully because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Well, and I think we get into those automatic responses. How are you? Good, fine. Mm. Like we don't actually respond with how we're doing. I think we're so detached from our feelings from like being with ourselves Mm -hmm. that we don't know how to respond truthfully. Especially when we're operating on empty. Yes. And so now, (laughs) let me tell you, sis, first Saturdays are nothing to play with her Dean Mercier. That is the time where I plan it out. Kids are not invited. Husband is not invited. Um, I choose who I want to spend my time with during girlfriends are invited, cousins are invited. And that is really my morning of starting off with prayer, being a part of a Bible study that morning or listening to a sermon. Then I have my monthly facial and massage. I have lunch by myself. That may be me walking in the park by myself. But first Saturdays of the month are non-negotiable. That's the time that I refuel myself. I'm in the car. I get to select my own music. I don't got to play kids' bops. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> get to play what I want to play from compa to gospel to Spanish to N-D-O-R-E, whatever I decide. So Saturdays are really that day that I get to recharge myself. And I'm really blessed to have a spouse who understands that he don't even check in on me. I have to check in and go, babe, I'm okay. I just want to let you know that I decided to go to the mall instead of doing this. This is where I'm at. Because he honors and respect that when I am well, the family in the house runs smoothly. Yes. I might have to adopt that one. I like that. Sis, non-negotiable. I love that. The only thing is sometimes my husband is on call on the weekend, so he's not here. So you may have to alternate the the weekends that he's not. So where mine is steady, you may have to be more flexible. For example, if there's a family functioning first Saturday, I'll do everything second Saturday. I'm not that stringent with it. But I know there's going to be a Saturday or Sunday or Monday, Tuesday, but I'm getting it in in the month. And that's outside of just normal. I strongly believe in putting yourself on the calendar first before you put anybody else. I completely agree with that. I teach my clients that. And when we're sitting in these sessions and I say, pull out your calendar. Are you on your calendar? They look at me strange. Yeah, I'm on my calendar. I'm going to work. All the things, all the titles that we have. And I'm like, no, you're not on your calendar. No wonder you're operating on empty. And it's an awakening experience. And so I have to then ask you, sis, 
Anchoring in truth is the first anchor that I talk about and teach during this whole grief to purpose process. And in anchoring in truth, I realize it helps you liberate the soul. In your process of doing the self-love, what was the truth, that hard truth you had to deal with? And what was the solution when you realized, oh crap, this is serious? I think the hard truth was that I did not value myself the way that I valued everyone else in my life, right? And it goes back to what you were just talking about with putting yourself on the calendar first. If you had looked at my calendar, it was meeting for this client, meeting for that client. The kids have a doctor's appointment. My husband's got an event, whatever. I wasn't anywhere on my calendar, right? But we make time for the things that are important to us. And I was not making time for myself. So that was a hard truth. And I think the solution was making that time for myself in the morning and scheduling times for myself, putting it on my calendar where... You know, if I had something for myself on the calendar and somebody at work was trying to schedule a meeting, oh, I'm sorry, I'm unavailable. I have something on my calendar at that time. Like, it's that serious. Making sure that you protect that time, right? Because that's something else, Herdeen. We'll put ourselves on the calendar, but then somebody asks for, you know, that time and we disregard it. Oh yeah, that's not a real thing. So it's fine. No, it's a real thing. It's on my calendar. I have something on my calendar at that time, but I could do this time or that time, right? And protecting that time that we schedule for ourselves. Oh, protect the time. I love that. Protect the time and honor yourself in that manner by saying, my time for myself is just as important as anything else, if not more important. If not more important. The second anchor that I talk about and teach is the heart anchor. What did you have to examine in your heart when you were deciding these things? I had to examine why I was not putting myself first, like why I wasn't making that time for myself. And I think it goes back to the truth anchor Mm -hmm. of not valuing myself as highly as I valued other people. People, ooh, ooh, that's so good. I know that's going to really help the grief crusaders. I also want to look at the connection anchor. Who were you connected to? Because I believe there's power in community and you cannot go through this evolution process of loving yourself and not having a strong foundation. Like I have my wisdom circle. Like who are those individuals or that you had to tap into to support you make this evolution of knowing this role that we're speaking to now that is going to continue to evolve in life. Yeah, I would say first is my husband. Mm-hmm. You know, like we mentioned, he is the one who was always telling me even before I had the realization that I needed to make time for myself. And why don't you go and do this? Why don't you, you know, hang out with your friends, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is absolutely the first one. And then the second would be my therapist because in working with her, Like we were able to come up with this kind of plan for how I was going to put myself first. And she helped me come to the realization that I wasn't putting myself first. I wasn't valuing myself. So I'd say those two are the connections that were most important to that. Good, good, good. Oh, and then now, sis, you know, it's financial. April is that financial month, talking about money, you know, and money is very hard 
for us to talk about. And I think in true honesty, Jameson was, is one of those individuals. He likes to look at the spreadsheet. He likes to know where every penny is going. He likes to map out. I don't. You know, I literally had to work through the money pillar being in purpose to platform. The money pillar brought up so much for me emotionally that I had to really grieve the story that I was telling myself about money. Like, oh, I'm not good with money. Jameson is here. He'll handle the money. I really don't have to get involved. He's always trying to invite me to these meetings. And I'm like, oh, and these meetings can go two hours. And I literally had to say, babe, if you want me to be a part of the finances, you got a good 20 minutes. You understand in the beginning, you got a good 10 minutes. Just tell me what's happening, right? But it is working with the money pillar. I realize I got to know what's happening. One, my daughters are watching. Two, I got to understand what's going on because the Jameson is not guaranteed to be here forever. That's a part of life. I can go, he can go. That's the reality. I have to know and I have to be invested just like him and not put everything else financially on his shoulders to make the decision. And then when something goes south, I can't be like, why you did that? Why you made that? Well, I tried to invite you to our meetings. <laughs> so where did you get the way? Did you, were you always good with money? Like, tell me, because if you watch your social media, I see the numbers go down. And every time I see it, I'm screaming like, yes, because we have been killing it like really killing it and getting rid of the debt and setting ourselves free coming from, and let me give you some background in 2018, we built our first house. What happened in 2018 market crash, right? Jameson decided he wanted to go back and get his PhD. And that required us to move to South Florida. Couldn't sell our house. Long story short, bankruptcy, car. We turned, we gave our car back. Couldn't find a job when we got here. Just a whole financial mess that shook me up because it mirrored things I've experienced or saw my parents experience in childhood. That's why I always avoided money. Help a sister out. Help the listeners out. How did you be so driven to really want to kill this debt? Where did it come from, this fire? Yeah, so one, I just have to acknowledge that you mentioned things that you saw in childhood and how that is affecting your money story in the present or how it has affected your money story in the present because that is true of everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Like the first things that we learn about money are Mm -hmm. from childhood. Mm -hmm. But to your question, so... For a little backstory for your listeners who aren't familiar, obviously, you know my story. Yes, I do. Uh, But about four years ago, when my husband and I had our first kid, and we were looking at how we wanted to raise our family and how present we wanted to be, and we were in these demanding jobs where we were, you know, always working and doing all the things, we were thinking about, you know, how could we kind of bring that down? How could we be more present as our child or children got older. And so we were thinking that working less would be the answer. 
we looked at our finances as I was headed back to maternity leave or headed back to work from maternity leave and found ourselves over $670,000 in debt. And so I was like, okay, well, guess we are not going to do that anytime soon. (laughs) And that set us on the path of researching how to pay off debt and that kind of thing. Because, I mean, honestly, Hardeen, we didn't know. Like we knew that we had debt, of course, and we had our mortgage, we had, you know, a small car loan and we had student loans, but we thought about them kind of separately, right? Like we thought about them individually kind of compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. And so looking at it all together, it was like, oh, like it was a gut punch for sure. And so we decided to research how to pay it off, how to do, you know, all of that. And in doing that, we came across these stories of people who were paying their debts off super quickly, well, you know, early, you know, mm-hmm. really early, well um, in advance of the, the debt payoff date. And that was just never something that had crossed our mind. It wasn't something we were exposed to, you know, going back to what you said about what you saw in childhood. Like we both grew up in single parent households. Like we didn't have a whole lot of experience with money management. Mm-hmm. And so- you asked, was I always good with money? No, I was the one where money burned a hole in my pocket. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, even to college, I got my first bank account in college and I had my debit card and I was just swiping left and right, you know, mm-hmm. doing all the things. And my Make bank account back. would get down to like a dollar, mm-hmm. you know, and then I'm like, oh, I can't spend any money until <laughs> I get paid next week. And, you know, I was doing like work steady jobs. I had, you know, two yeah. or three jobs, but I wasn't getting paid a whole lot, wow. you know, but mm-hmm. still, I was also a college student and was living in the dorm and had, you know, the meal plan and all of that. So why was I spending so much money? And so that kind of was the the early money story, like my story with trying to manage money on my own. And I remember being home one summer in college. I was working at the mall. One of my friends from home and I were talking and he was telling me about, like he had bought a house. He wasn't much older than me two, three years older than me, something like that. Um, But he was asking me if I always went to the food court on my lunch break. And I was like, oh yeah, like, because I was talking about what I'd had or whatever. And he was the first person to show me how much I was spending. Like, even though it was only $5 here, $10 there, Mm -hmm. how that adds up over the course of a month. And so that is what got me really started looking at money management. Like seeing this person who was not much older than me who bought a whole house, you know, and I don't know how much his house cost, but it was a house, right? So he bought a house and then is showing me the compound effect of my spending decisions. Mm -hmm. I started thinking like, okay, well, if he can do this, like if he knows this kind of stuff, then I can look at it too. And he, you know, taught me or showed me some resources and all of that. So that got me started initially. But what got us on the journey that we're on currently was the 670,000 four years ago. Yes. And where are you now? Because I know you know the numbers. Where are you now? (laughs) So we are under 300,000. I know on the student loan side, we are under 40, I think, or at 40. Uh Uh, We are at $237,184. Come on now. Oh my God, I'm so excited for you all. Do you already have mapped out when it will be all done? Yeah, so I know that we'll be finished with the student loans by the end of this year. 
And we have not decided yet if we want to tackle the mortgage as aggressively as we have done the student loans, but we will be student loan debt free before the end of this year. Come on now. Come on now. Hey, yes, this is so exciting. I know I look at my student loans and I'm not going to lie, bro. I'm like, I guess Jesus is going to come by the time I pay these off. But you know what you have just reminded me? You have just reminded me it's the story I'm telling myself. I haven't made time for it. Just like I wasn't making time to attend our family money meeting. And the moment I started getting involved in it, like, I'm like, all right, what we killing today? These Friday meetings, you know, what we killing today? Like, but for me, everything has to have a name and a goal. And I I think I called it money, money, Mercier money something. I forgot what I called my money days in my calendar, but it's something that reminds me that I'm on this track. We're going to get it done. I know when you first started off, you're thinking like, are we really going to do it? What keeps you all motivated? It's that ultimate why of having that control, right? I think what keeps a lot of us from having the control that we want in our lives is our money. But to your point, like you keep saying that it's your story, the story that you're telling yourself. And that is so true Mm -hmm. because our mindset is everything. You know, our mindset will always create or affect our ultimate results. Mm -hmm. And if you're telling yourself I'm bad with money or my debt is overwhelming or whatever the story is that you have about your money, that's affecting how you feel and then what you're going to do. So like in your case, Mm -hmm. you talk about being bad with money, that my husband's got it, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it led to you avoiding, right? Like not taking action. Yep. Right. So that is key. I want your listeners to really hear that. Like the story that you tell yourself is optional. You don't have to tell yourself that story, right? You can change the story. The story you tell yourself is optional. It absolutely is. And so many of us tell ourselves these negative stories and then wonder why we can't make progress on the things that we want. Mm. And for you, what does financial freedom, outside of having control, but what does the heart say about the financial freedom for you? I think it's just like peace. You know, like the control, I know you said outside of control, but having that control, having that flexibility is everything for me. You know, I don't want to be in a situation because I have to be there, right? And that was what came up for us when we were seeing the 670000 and negative $342,000 net worth, right? All of that, the beginning of our money story, it felt heavy. Right. I felt stuck. You know, we were talking about how we want to adjust our lives as our kids got older and, you know, wanting to be able to go to their games or different events or whatever and not be thinking about how I have to make up this time when I get back home or later in the week or that kind of thing. Right. So having that flexibility and being able to rid ourselves of this debt has freed up so much. And a lot of that, Herdeen, going back to what you said, is the story, right? It's the story that we're telling ourselves because we could have just continued living on life. Like we were living life before and, you know, had the 670,000, but just didn't realize it, 
right? Like we went to um, Europe, we went to Paris and London, like, you know, those types of trips. Mm -hmm. We did like two of them, I think. Mm -hmm. But we had debt. We just didn't realize how much. We We were telling ourselves a different story at that point, right? You know, the story you're telling yourself is, I'm an attorney. I can afford this. I work hard for my money. You know, these are all the things that we say to ourselves that keeps us really in financial bondage. It always starts with the story. Yes, it absolutely does. And that, you know, I can afford it. I think I work hard. I deserve it is a big one. Yeah. You know, because we put it on ourselves like, I don't know, we, we have this entitlement mentality. And that's not to say that you shouldn't treat yourself, right? Yes. I'm not the one to say like, oh, just eat ramen noodles and walk everywhere and you can be financially free. That is not my story, right? <laughs> that's not my jam. So I think sometimes like that, I work hard, I deserve it mm-hmm. mentality. It comes from the entitlement, but then also the comparison trap because we see mm-hmm. other people who are in a similar position. We feel like we make about the same amount as they do. They bought X, so we should be able to buy X too. They've gone on this trip, so I should be able to go on that trip too. And you see it with your colleagues. You see it with neighbors, with family members. When you are comparing what you're doing with what they're doing, and you're feeling like, oh, well, I work hard. I deserve it. That's always going to lead to to a negative trap, right? Trying to, like comparison just never leads to good things. No, it doesn't. it is best to avoid it. It doesn't. Oh, this is so good, Ro. This is so good. That comparison will always, even in grief, people find themselves comparing, well, at least I didn't lose... You know, they'll say their parents, they'll say the job, it's a job that works for me. So, but it's a job that's stressful and taking them six feet under, you know? So comparison really, really, and I say, just like your DNA is unique to you, so can your finances, so can your healing process, so can your life. Your life is unique to you. And only you have that calling and assignment on your life. So you need to do what's necessary to really attack the day in living your life. I'm a part of that one life ministry. You only get one. You only get one. This has been so good. Thank you for saying yes to this interview, Ro. And before I let you go, I cannot let you go without speaking to the attorneys who are listening. Tell them about how you're really helping them really change their lives in such a positive way. Give us the business of what you're doing with your coaching program. Oh, well, thank you, Herdine. That's very kind. Mm -hmm. I help attorneys to manage their money better so that they can get that control of their time, have that flexibility. And so I do financial coaching And I have a podcast uh, called Wealthy Esque, Mm -hmm. where I share some of the mindset and money tips, the same types of things that I go through with my clients. So yeah, having that control of your money gives you control of your time, the flexibility and freedom. And I think that everyone should have that. Like there's so much going on within the legal profession, but probably in corporate America at large, where people are miserable in their jobs, but that's where we spend such a large chunk of our time. Come on now. And so I think that, you know, being able to have that control, to take back control of your life is so important. And that's why I do what I do. Yes. And 
you can really go to give us your website just to make sure those who are listening and this resonated with them and they're an attorney, they can go hit you up because I have certified you as an individual. You don't, if you really want to get your life together in 2.5 seconds by doing the hard work, I say contact road. There's no one like her. There's not. Well, thank you. Yeah, you can find me on my website at rowthomas.com and row is spelled R-H-O. And all of that will be in the show notes because that's what we do. Now, before we end, I always ask my pearls of wisdom questions. And this will be an episode that we all ask it because I really want to get some insight. And so these pow pow questions, the very first one is since redefining the grief in your life, what have you learned about yourself? I have learned one that I am the most important person in my life. Like if I'm not okay, I can't show up for other people to make sure that they're okay. Mm. And then the second thing is I've learned that I can do hard things. Like going through and really facing that debt, like hurting over half a million dollars, that was a gut punch, right? But just going through and continuing to chip away at it month after month, here we are now over $400,000 down. And as I said, it's, it's inevitable that we're going to pay off the student loan portion before the end of the year, and then we'll determine how we want to do the mortgage. But those are the two biggest for me. I can do hard things. Woo! I got chills on that one. The second question is, if today was your last day on earth and you had five words or less, what would they be? Don't forget to live. Don't forget to live. I think that so often we live as though we're going to live forever. Even though we know logically that we won't, we put things off for later, right? I talk all the time about how we will put off the things that we say we care about for later. I'll do that later. Oh, I know I need to catch up with that person. I'll do that later. But the urgency is all in the things that don't matter as much. Right. All the meetings and the, you know, whatever, the the, doing the letters, the, the yeah, like all of the things. Got to run these errands. Got to do this laundry. I got to go to this meeting. And we put off the things that we really care about and the things that really matter, because for some reason, our society views them as you know frivolous or something. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say if it were my last day on Earth, it'd be a reminder to people, don't forget to live. Mm, I love that. You know, that speaks to my heart. The one life, one life ministry that I talk about all the time. You just get one. So what you going to do to live today? Exactly. And then, <laughs> and then my third final question is, you know, I love to sing. I don't care where I'm at. I believe I sound like Whitney. I don't know what you hear when I sing, but I know I have the tunes. I just don't understand why I'm not being paid for it yet. And in the process of really love to sing, because it's so therapeutic for me, during your hard times, what song gets you through? Grateful by Hezekiah Walker. I love that song. It brings me back to gratitude, right? Even though things are hard, there is still so much to be thankful for. Woo! Now, you just came on the grief mic and just shut it down today. And I'm just, <laughs> you, 
Thank you in advance because the grief crusaders who are listening, me as the host has really been blessed from us exchanging about our own life experiencing and anchoring in faith. And so we're at a place of gratitude and how we decided to show up in the world is help set you free through our dialogue. I appreciate you, Mrs. Roe Thompson. Thank you for coming on the Redefining Grief podcast. Don't forget, for those who are listening, hit us up, find us on social media, tag us. If you are an attorney and this has resonated with you, her DMs are open. She's going to answer your questions. Send her an email, contact her, do what you need to do because you only, you only get this one life. Amen. Well, thank you again for having me, Herdeen. It has been so much fun chatting with you. I always enjoy when we can connect. As always, we do bring out the best in each other. I love you. I love you. Bye-bye. Now, didn't I tell you all, well, I don't remember saying it, but I already knew because I only always bring you the best. I knew this was going to be an episode that really kind of shift your mindset on being a mother and making time for you. When she said, when Rose said, mom instead of role. How many of us as mothers have really said, we're going to be mother instead of her Dean. We're going to be mother instead of Samantha. We're going to be mother instead of Evna. We're going to be mother instead of Renet. Whatever, we're going to be that instead of ourselves. Oh, she gave us so much powerful impact life-changing information. And she also reminded me about that faith anchor. When you spend time with your creators, something about just doing it in the morning that really prepares you to set yourself up to win for the day because winning the day requires you to have a winning mindset. Come on now, I'm excited. A winning mindset. If you want to show up in your life, it is going to require you. It is going to require you to have and reprogram and get rid of the stories that you tell yourself. If you want to win, you have to have a winning mindset. I love you. Thank you for coming and listening to the podcast today. Don't forget to leave a review. Share this with one person. That's your mental health task assignment. Share this episode with one person. Listen, y'all, you never know what people are struggling with. And if you hear it and you see that one person, you visualize it, don't wait till later. Share it now. And if this episode really impacted you in any way, tag us on social media. All our links will be in the show notes. I love y'all. Live out your best life because you only get one. Bye-bye. You, don't you be discouraged
is you. You will overcome this. You are stronger than you think. Hold your head up high. I'll be your guide. There is strength and courage in your story. There is healing for the broken. There is restoration too. There is safety, and I'll be the one to guide you. I'm redefining grief. Yeah, I'm redefining grief. I'm redefining. Green.